Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living. Oh, wow, that is, uh, we need a little encouragement today. If you're joining at home, want to say welcome. If you're here in person, want to say welcome. And uh, we are glad to be back together again after a couple of weeks hiatus. And uh, some are asking questions or saying, hey, wait, wait a minute, how are we able to do this? Um, wanted to make you aware that because of the government guidelines and such, we are somewhat exempted from, from some of the recommendations that have been made. And so what we're doing is exactly what we've been doing for the last six months or so. Beginning in June, we're expanding our services, keeping everybody spread out. Uh, some of the changes that we've made is to our children's ministry. And again, that's in, in relationship. We want to make sure we always pre present a, uh, a safe environment. But you guys have done such a great job. And over the last five, six months, we're not really actually aware of any transmission that has taken place in any of our services. Um, we keep the, the six feet apart. In fact, you're all getting really used to this big rows. And, and uh, we keep, we're doing a good job of keeping the two... Uh, two-seat bubble or two-seat barrier between our bubbles. And uh, so we're going to continue to do this. We evaluate it every week, but want to continue to to provide a safe environment as long as we can. We're going to worship together in person. And, and if you're joining at home, we welcome you as well. And you've made some choices uh, for your family, and that is awesome. And we're glad that all of you are with us today. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to take them and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to be actually concluding a series today uh, called Rewired. We've been in it for the last seven weeks or so. By the way, the reason that you got an Advent devotional that says Advent on it is that actually is the new series we're going to be going into next week. Advent means His coming or His arrival. It's the arrival of someone, and uh, I wanted to focus on that for the whole year. I've been looking at that that's going to be our last series of the year as we prepare for the coming of the Lord, preparing our hearts to receive Him. And so that's going to be our Christmas series. It's going to be our focus. We have a devotional go along with that. So we're hoping that you'll uh, take advantage of that and that it'll be an encouragement for you as you uh, celebrate this Christmas season. But as we finish up today, we've been looking and kind of basing out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which says, Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That the way we're wired as believers, the way we think, has a huge impact on the way that we live. In fact, by the way, our relationship with Christ has a big impact on the way that we think. And so we want to think differently and not just simply fall into the pattern of the values of the world or the value of our culture or what everybody else is doing. We want to be leaders and we want to set ourselves out as the light rather than just simply following the crowd. And so this has been a good series for me. And I think where we're going to end up today is a great spot to end up. In Philippians chapter 4 seemed appropriate this coming into a Thanksgiving week to talk about the power of being wired for gratitude. Now Paul does this in an incredible way. And uh, I love, this is one of my favorite books in the New Testament because it is just so positive. It's full of joy, but it's also full of gratitude. And if we ever needed to have, remind ourselves to have thanksgiving and gratitude, this is one of those years that we need to do that in. And not just because of COVID, but because of crisis, because of all the, the separation that's taken place in politics. Many have gone through loss. Some have gone through health needs. And so this has been one of those years where, where we just need to be reminded to be grateful and have a heart of gratitude for what God has given us. Now to give you a little bit of background in the book of Philippians, if you're not familiar, 
is that Paul is writing this book from a Roman jail. He's in prison. He's in chains. As you find in chapter 1, he actually talks about that. In fact, he's in chains because he has been faithfully delivering the gospel of Jesus Christ. Most believe this is actually the last letter that Paul wrote. I would tend to say maybe 2 Timothy is, but we know this is one of the very last letters that Paul wrote he, before he, he was literally martyred for Christ. He, um, he, he is in a unique situation because in the Roman jail system, um, you are living under a constant sense that you could, every day could be your last. Now, sometimes when, when Paul was in jail, he was in house arrest. This particular time, he's actually in a Roman prison system. He's underground. Uh, the Roman system that he was in, actually once in a while to clean it out, they would open up the, the river system and literally flush out the jails. And so with it, the filth, would also the prisoners would be done away with. He lived under the constant sense of that. The other thing you have to understand about this particular system of prison is that you don't, get a, you don't get three meals, you don't get a TV, you don't get taken care of or clothing that are clean. You are completely dependent upon those who are outside. You might get some basic gruel, some kind of a, a nourishment maybe, but you don't get clothing, you don't get warmth. Um, if you're going to be cared for, you're cared for because of people who are outside the system bringing it in. And by the way, that is predominantly around the world today as well. I have friends who have, been jailed, uh, who have been jailed in certain countries for their faith, and they were completely dependent upon people who are the outside bringing stuff in and preparing for and providing for them. And so that's what Paul is in. And as Paul is writing this, this book, which by, by this letter, which by the way is themed in joy, and the whole attitude is joy, he comes toward the end of it and he says some really powerful words in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4. Here's what he says. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. That word rejoice means to re, revisit joy again. So he says, go back and celebrate joy again, or those things that we have joy in. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer, petition, thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, I assume sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned. You just had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. See, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it was so good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, 
as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in this matter of giving and receiving except for only you. Then later on he says, I, I pray that God would see him as a fragrant sacrifice. And then verse 19 he says, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. To our God and our Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now it's interesting when you look at this passage and there are so many ways you could focus. You could focus on prayer. You could focus on how to deal with anxiety. You could, you could focus on so many aspects of it. But what, what came out to me was the power of having your brain wired for gratitude. And it's something that you almost have to train yourself to do. You, you have to train yourself to celebrate joy. You, you have to train yourself to release things to the Lord. You have to really train yourself to have a heart of gratitude. And what's interesting, Paul, being a man of gratitude, knew four things that were really powerful about this whole thing of gratitude. Now, the first thing that I notice out of this passage is gratitude is the way into the Lord's presence. It's the way into the Lord's presence. In fact, you'll notice what he says in verse 4 and 5 and 9. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. And look at the declaration he makes. The Lord is near. Verse 9, he says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Now notice what he says. He says it as a declaration promise, a declaration statement, and then he makes it as a promise. He says, the Lord is near you, and oh, by the way, as you practice this, the Lord will be with you. He'll come near to you. In fact, it reminds me of James chapter 4, when he says, be patient in affliction and suffering, because the Lord's coming draweth nigh, is the King James Version. It means that the Lord is coming again. He's talking about the coming of the Lord. And when he uses that phrase, he said, the, 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 the picture in the Greek is that the Lord is at the door, and he's walking through the door. Everything is ready for the Lord's return. So he says, the Lord is with you. The Lord will be with you. And oh, by the way, the Lord is coming again, so be encouraged. And he basically is saying this statement that praise, thanksgiving, adoration, celebration, it invites the presence of the Lord. It is like a passport into the presence of the Lord. You'll notice that every Sunday morning when we come together in a time of worship, generally the first song, and it doesn't matter if you go to our heritage service, it doesn't matter if you come to our CW family service, when we do venue, it doesn't matter if you go to a venue service, you're going to notice that almost every single service begins with kind of an upbeat praise song. And let me tell you why. It's because I told the guys that's what they should do. It's the one thing, I don't say a lot, but the one thing I said is the last thing we need when we come into a worship service is a funeral dirge. Can you imagine you come in, bah, bah, woe is me. No, no, we don't want that. I don't care what the style is. But what, what a scripture, it's an old chorus we used to sing, but it comes right out of Isaiah. It says, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. We hear enough bad stuff through the week. 
We hear enough stuff. I always say it this way. It's like the dust of the world settles on our soul. When we come together, we begin to thank God. We begin to celebrate Him for what He's done in our life. It's like, a, it's like going through the automatic wash machine, right, that just kind of cleans the dirt away. And I might have come in with one heartbeat, but I'm going out with a different one, right? It celebrates the presence of the Lord. Psalm 100, great one to read this week, by the way, says in verse 4 and 5, it says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Celebrate him. It's like a passport into his presence. A few years ago, a buddy of mine and I were, uh, were traveling we were going to travel internationally. We were going into Canada uh, with a flight. So we were going to go to Detroit, fly into Chicago. Out of Chicago, we're going to fly into Canada. And so when we got to the, uh, <clears throat> the airport in Detroit, my buddy had, at this time it was kind of a new thing, he had one of these enhanced licenses. You know what I'm talking about? A lot of you have them. I think I have one. In, in the enhanced license, if you have an enhanced license, you can get across the border in Canada and I think Mexico, and you don't need a passport for it. It's, it's, it's one of those types of things. And he said, hey, listen, I got this new enhanced license. He said, I don't even need a passport. I got an enhanced license. I can get across the border. And I said, okay. So we, we got on the plane, flew into Chicago. We're sitting there waiting for our connecting flight. And we go up to the, the counter where they, where they take your ticket and stuff. And the, the guy said, uh, can I see your passports? And so I handed him my passport. And then he, my buddy handed him his passport. But he, all he had was the enhanced license. And the guy said, what's this? He said, that's an enhanced license. He said, with an enhanced license, I don't need a passport. I can go into Canada and I can go into Mexico without it. He goes, well, you need a passport. Get on this flight. No, I, I, I mean... No, it's an enhanced license. And by the way, if you know the rule on that thing, you can drive to Canada with the enhanced license. I, I don't know if it's still the case or not, but you could drive to Canada, but you can't fly to Canada. You need a passport to fly to Canada. Uh, you need a passport for that. And we went back and forth. for. A, and by the way, after about 25 minutes, it became fairly obvious we were not getting on this plane. And so as we're up there in the final moments of this whole thing, I'll never forget what that guy said and how he said it. He looked at us and he said, I don't care if you have an enhanced license or not. You ain't getting on this plane without a passport. And by the way, we didn't get on that plane without a passport. The passport had to be taken down to Detroit, flown to us in Chicago so that we could get it to get on a later flight into a different city to get to our destination. You ain't getting, okay, so Paul looks at us and he says, listen, I don't care what your heart is, you ain't coming into the Lord's presence without a passport of praise. There is something about thanksgiving. There is something about gratitude. There is something about praise that invites the presence of the Lord. And by the way, it doesn't always mean that you're celebratory. It might mean even in our hurt, in our, our, our woundedness, in our need, but there's a gratitude toward the Lord. It invites his presence into our life. Joy does that, doesn't it? Joy has a way of doing that. Number two, it is interesting what Paul understands. Gratitude is not invisible or silent. Now, we can have a quiet, contented heart, certainly, that is a part of who we are. But there is something, as Paul talks about this, 
that says that what is happening internally has a way of making its way out into our life. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Can we say that together? And let's say it with our big outside voices, okay? Let's do this, ready? That way we only have to do it one time. Here we go, ready? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. And he looks at us, and Jesus, by the way, affirmed that and taught that. In uh, Luke chapter 6, Jesus said, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now, that doesn't mean we're Pollyanna, we're jumping through, we're skipping through life, because let's just be honest, when we go through times of, of grieving and sickness, it's hard to maybe have a, a, in a, a, an exuberant spirit, but there is something that is powerful about this, that if it's happening in my heart, it has a way of showing itself either in my face or in my words. And it isn't that I'm walking around always saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. It's that the motivation of my heart is gratitude. And by the way, all you got to do is just look into a small section of the Gospels to see that. Luke chapter 15, it's the parable of the, of the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost, the, 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 the prodigal son. Notice what happens every time they find the lostness. When they find the lost sheep, what happens? The guy celebrates, he says, rejoice with me, and he celebrates with his neighbors. He has to tell people. When there's a lost coin that is found, the woman does what? She tells her neighbors. She has to celebrate. When the son is found who has been far away from the father, what does he do? He holds a feast and he celebrates what God has done. The leper in chapter 17, what does he do? He celebrates and tells others about the healing that has taken place in his life. There is something about reminding our outside what our heart knows on the inside that we are expressing the joy or the gratitude that is on our hearts. I, I wrote these down. It's just my words, but it was so I could say them exactly. It's the act of vocalizing our celebration of God's presence has the act of motivating our hearts to be affirmed, to believe and to trust. The act of rejoicing has the implicit act of raising our sagging spirits. Did you catch that? It has a way of raising our own spirit as we practice gratitude. Number three, for me, this is the powerful one. Number three, gratitude begins where entitlement ends. Gratitude begins where entitlement ends. Look what he says in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you have, you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. If you think everything in life is owed to you, 
if anything that happens in your workplace is owed to you, that anything that happens in your country is owed to you, and you walk through life with that sense, you will have a really hard time having any sense of gratitude because everything is expected. But when you walk through life understanding what grace is, God's riches at Christ's expense, God's unmerited favor, it means you don't deserve it. And that's not just his salvation. The, the joys we have in this nation even, given by God at the foundations of, of who we are as a nation, that so much of what we have is unrecognized or unrealized anywhere else in this world. When you begin to recognize what we have is a gift from God, it gives you a heart of gratitude. And it's really hard to have gratitude when you're expecting everything as entitlement. Man, I'll tell you what, I, I got so many examples of this in my life, positive and negative. Times I've blown it and times I've done well at it. And when I was a kid, I, uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I got a basketball from my brother-in-law and, and sister for, um, for my birthday. And you think, well, that's a big deal. It's a basketball. Well, it was kind of a big deal because it was such a nice basketball. It was the first time I'd ever gotten a really nice leather basketball and the problem was is that my basketballs tended to pop all the time because my brother-in-laws and I they were much bigger than I was but every Sunday afternoon usually they'd come out to the house and we would play basketball out in this little pole barn area even in the middle of winter it was cold out there I'd sweep the shed and everything and then I would take the basketball and I'd put it in the tub and I'd wash it up real good because it had all kinds of grime on it because we're out there in the barn playing all the time and we had a combine in there when we had it was just a little area we could play and I just had such a great time doing this and one of the problems was is that my dad stored the manure spreader in the barn and the manure spreader, it's not just the fact that it hauls manure. It has, the back end of it, it's an older one, it had spikes. And so I, am, I can't tell you how many basketballs I lost because it took a bad bounce, popped over, hit the spike, popped the basketball. I lost more basketballs. We started putting gunny sacks. I mean, guys would dive for the ball, just keep it from hitting the, the stupid manure spreader. And so when I got this incredible basketball, I was so excited. And my brother-in-law, uh, I remember my sister saying to me, he loves giving you gifts because you are so appreciative. Well, the reason I was appreciative is I never expected to get such a nice basketball. Let me give you the other side. One year and only one year in my life. I did a little crawling around in my mom and dad's closet around Christmas time. And I may have come across a track that was going to be a gift for me at Christmas. And I found it, and I looked at it, and I enjoyed it, and then I put it back behind the clothes. And Christmas Day opened up the gift, wasn't surprised at all. And I got to be honest with you, I didn't really have much appreciation for it. To this day, by the way, I don't sneak around. I don't want to know. I love the excitement of not knowing what's coming. I don't care what it is. I just don't want to know what it is. 
You go through your life, it's amazing that when you think something is owed you, deserved, look at your workplace. Look at the difference between people who enjoy. You know how, you know how often the difference between people who enjoy their work and hate their work? I find so many times, there are two, two people get paid exactly the same. One is appreciative of it, and the other one takes the attitude as, man, they don't pay me enough. I'm going to give minimum because I'm worth so much more than this. And it's just in their attitude. And they're getting paid exactly the same. They're doing the exact same job. Do you realize nobody owes you a job? They really don't. And so it may not be the perfect job in your life. That's fine. Go find another one. But it's the, the reality is, is, that, is that for now anyway, it's providing for you. Man, be, ha be happy about that. And you know, when we began to just remind ourselves that this stuff is not owed to us, it's amazing how that changes. Gratitude begins where entitlement ends. Paul did not expect people to care for him. That's why he could have such a heart of gratitude when somebody did. Even if he was hungry, whatever he had, he was, he was grateful for. Number four, people with a heart of gratitude, grateful people can find a blessing, enlarge a blessing, and create a blessing in almost any situation. Have you noticed this? When a person, and I take gratitude, I take uh, joyfulness i take all of that and i lump it together because they all are so intertwined but it's interesting how grateful people can find a blessing in any situation and by the way the opposite is true ungrateful people can find a curse they can find a burden and they can enlarge a burden in almost any situation and it's just it's interesting now watch what happens here paul i want you to see what paul is doing Paul says in verse 14, he says to the Philippians, he goes, yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, in other words, you were brand new Christians. When you were brand new Christians and I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. Even when I was in Thessalonica, a very wealthy city by virtue, you sent me aid again and again when I was in need. And by the way, he says, I pray that God will see that as a fragrant sacrifice for him. And later on, he goes, and oh, by the way, God's going to provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. Now, Paul, Paul started a lot of churches. And by the way, he did so at great sacrifice to himself. He worked as a tent maker so that he could pay for enough food to live on so he could start churches. He started the church of Galatia. He started the church of Ephesus, by the way, one of the wealthiest cities in Asia Minor. He started the church in Corinth, another very wealthy city. By virtue, the believers there tended to have more wealth. He, char he started the church in Thessalonica. He started church after church after church, the church in Rome. He started church after church, and yet none of those churches he started did anything to help him start other churches by providing for him, and he could have focused on that, and he could have become so negative about that, and yet he didn't. What did he focus on? Hey, you guys are incredible. You guys, ever since you came to Christ, you, you, you were so generous 
When he writes to the church of Philippi, he doesn't focus on the negatives. He finds the blessing by thanking them for what they did for him and how God has used them. You see, you've got you to sometimes work a little to find the blessing and to, and to increase the blessing. I, um, I came across this this week. I've had it for probably two or three years um, it's actually it's a it's, it's actually a true letter. It was it's an email. It was read on a radio station in Indiana. Um, the guy's name is Bob. Bob is um, he's a deep water diver. He works on uh, oil rigs out of Louisiana. His sister happens to, her name is Sue. She lives in Indiana, and she shared it with the radio station. They read it, and they were talking about the worst job in the world. And they were talking about how their job, and she hated her job. And so Bob wrote her, and she said, he said, hey, Sue, just want to write you another note from your bottom-dwelling brother. Last week, I had a really bad day at the office. Uh, I know that you've been feeling down at work lately, so I thought that I would share my dilemma with you and realize that maybe you're not so bad after all. Now, before we can do this, I need you to understand what I do. <laughs> he said, uh, I work on the bottom of the sea, and I wear a suit to the office, but it's a wetsuit. And this time of year, it is really cold down in that water. So we have this special piece of equipment, $20,000. It's a water pump that takes seawater, warms it up to a warm temperature, and then it pumps it down a tube to us so that we can stay warm. And I discovered that if I take that hose and I put it down my back, it, it warms me up. It's kind of like a jacuzzi. He says, I've done this a lot of times. It worked really well. And he said, last week, he said, I did exactly that. I got down there, took the tube, put it down my back. And I felt something on the backside. So I scratched a little bit. And the scratching turned into a horrible burning. And I realized what had happened. The pump sucked in a jellyfish. And I put it in my backside, and now I was getting stung. He said, I called the dispatcher, and I, in through my agony, said, hey, I got a problem down here. He says, I didn't really even hear what they told me to do because they were laughing so hard on the other side. He said, for the next 35 minutes, I had to come up and do three decompressions. He said, by the time I got up to the medic, the medic was crying. He was laughing so loud. And he said, and let me just tell you, my backside hurt pretty bad. He said, sweetie, he said, next time you have a bad day, I just hope it's not a jellyfish bad day. <laughs> Man, I read that thing, and I, I read it in the office, and I laughed out loud. And You know, sometimes you have to, you have to look for the positive rather than always focus on the negative. By the way, there's a last truth. It's really just a promise, I really believe, that comes out of this passage. Is that it's amazing how gratitude is your way out of chains and the, the dungeons of your life. Whether it's depression, whether it's in our grieving, whether it's in our... Now again, I, I, these are all real things, Dis Senses of despair and hopelessness. Maybe you're going through a physical trial. Maybe you are having a, a tough time at work. Maybe you're that person who is in a relationship right now 
it just feels so discouraging. Paul, Paul in Philippians chapter 1, at the very beginning of this whole thing, is talking about being in chains for Christ. And he says this. He says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. As a result of me being in prison, it's become clear throughout this whole palace guard that I'm here because of Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. Now it's true that there are some who are preaching Christ out of envy and rivalry, but the others are doing so out of goodwill. The, the latter ones do so in love, knowing that I'm here for a defense of the gospel. The former ones, they preach Christ out of selfish ambition, hoping to create trouble for me while I'm in my chains. And then I want you to hear what he says. What does that matter? What does that matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. And I'll continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Christ that what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. It is so interesting. Paul is in chains. But because of a heart of gratitude, he's no longer in chains. By the way, in Acts chapter 16, Paul, on one of these journeys, was with his friend Silas, and they were actually beaten, they were threatened, and they were thrown into jail. And the Word of God says in Acts chapter 16, at right around midnight, they were singing hymns and saying praises to God. And the earth shook and the prison doors opened and the chains fell off. Now I realize that's a description of what happened, but I'm going to tell you, I think that's God's word of what will happen that when we choose to celebrate Him, we choose to hold on to Him, we choose gratitude, our chains have a way of falling off. And I don't know what your chains are this morning. I, I don't know if it's a sense of despair, but it's amazing that when we nurture that heart of gratitude, God tends to bring joy again. And so, Father, we've been in a whole series on thinking differently, and it's, it's not about us just trying harder, but I, I will say this, Lord, it's amazing that when I divert my attention and I, I, I train the way I think, that when I focus on grace and blessing, when I focus on the right things in my life, what years ago I heard that it takes 10 positive things to undo one negative thing. I think it's because it's so easy for us to grab onto the negative. So Lord, my prayer is no matter where we're at, and this isn't to diminish anybody's 
hurt, suffering, or the healing that's needed. But Lord, I pray that in this week that we would focus on those things that we can be thankful for, the memories that we have that can encourage us. And that, Lord, there would be some chains loosed and some dungeon doors opened as we nurture a heart of gratitude towards you. Thank you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colonial Woods Missionary Church presents Keys to Confident Living.